Welcome to APAC Prophetic Women's Conference 2021, Prophetic Woman, God's Secret Warrior. This is an interdenominational conference attracting women throughout the Asia-Pacific region who are hungry for the undiluted reality of the God they faithfully serve. This conference is organized by Streams International Prophetic Church. Visit us at www.streams.org.au or call 1-300-361-971. And now, here is a powerful, life-giving message from our prophetic speaker. Okay, so Pastor uh, Kathleen, we're just going to ask you just a few more questions that people have actually put online. And um, you answer them the way you answer them, which is great. It's always been with truth and honesty, which has been great, I think, for the women today to just really see um, the inside of who you are as a person and your walk and your journey with God and leading ministry and everything that you're doing because we all admire you for who you are and the journey that you've taken but also just the fact that um, we, we could see you wear your heart on your sleeve and you really uh, speak to women with a lot of truth and I think that, that shows for a lot of women today. So one of the questions I did see online uh, from Dana was, how do you put away guilt and shame from your past, even though knowing your scripture says, you know, that you're forgiven? Uh, well, thank you for that question. I think that's a really important one. And the Bible tells us that the righteous are as bold as lions and that when our hearts don't condemn us, we have confidence toward God and whatever we ask, we receive. And so the enemy is terrified of you feeling confident. He's terrified of you walking free from condemnation. Um, but what often happens is that, you know, just as we read before in 1 John 3.20, that sometimes our hearts condemn us, but we've got to remember that even if our heart condemn us, condemns us, he's greater than our heart. And so the enemy will try all the time to try to get you to live in the hangover of guilt and shame and regret. And it's an awful thing because you can't change what was in the past. But we can encourage ourselves that even if we feel guilty, if we've confessed our sins and we've repented and we've received the mercy of God, he doesn't even remember it. So we have to encourage ourselves and remind ourselves, my sins he will not recall anymore. I can have boldness on the day of judgment because as he is, so am I in this world. But I have to actually get militant because... Um, those feelings of guilt and shame and condemnation will cause you to, to limit your ability to have faith to believe, to have faith to even sh uh, connect with God. And so we need to deal with them like intruders in the house. Um, you have to swat them like mosquitoes because if, they, if you allow them to have airtime, it's a bit like um, if you, if you have, if one, a thought is coming, oh, you, you're so guilty, you did that, How you're a hypocrite, and you've asked the Lord for forgiveness and you've received it by grace, by, uh, by faith, then it's done. And so you need to remind yourself, hey, I repented of that and I've been forgiven. There is no punishment for me. I'm not in the naughty corner. God has forgiven me. He, he took the punishment for that sin before I even committed it. And, uh, and I, I don't have to wait a, a, a penalty length of time before God can use me again or I don't have to um, 
believe that I somehow now have to pay for that sin emotionally or in any other way. I'm not disqualified because Jesus, the only qualified one, took that sin for me. Uh, but if you don't deal with it, it stays there. It's a demon. It's a demonic thought that is external to you that comes to try to make you believe that you're still guilty. And if you don't deal with it in the name of Jesus by bringing the word of the Lord, the sword of the spirit, it'll go and get its friends. And pretty soon you'll be surrounded by guilt and shame and regret. This happens to me. Sometimes when I'm having a hard time, um, I'll start thinking, oh, I could have been a better mother in this way, or I could have done this better, or I could have done that better. And then if I entertain those things, pretty soon I spiral down into discouragement. And, um, and the Lord has, to, that's when I have to cry out, help, help, Father. And the Lord will remind me, yes, I'm here to help you now. I'm going to remind you of some scripture. You are the righteousness of God in Christ. That as I am, so are you in this world. That there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. I see you right now as holy, blameless, and pure. You are forgiven. You're the redeemed of the Lord. And, and we've got to shake it off and rebuke those things and not allow them. I see it a bit like that I've got my beautiful garden, the garden of my heart, which is the kingdom of God, righteousness, peace, and joy. But I have a nasty neighbor who tries to throw rubbish into my garden all the time. And so the enemy is always trying to throw rubbish into my garden, and I have to throw it back and say, no, I'm not going to have it. Otherwise, it just sits there and smells. So i got to throw it back and say, nope. I'm not having that. I'm going to guard the garden of my heart. If it's not righteous, if it's not peaceful, if it's not joyful, if it's not pure, if it's not lovely, if it's accusatory, if it's regret, if it's shame, if it's guilt, then I, if it's condemnation, I'm going to get, get rid of it by the word of the Lord and say, no, I thank you, Lord, that he has forgiven all my sin. He was bruised for my iniquities. I am not that person anymore. I am forgiven. I'm righteous. I'm holy. I'm as holy as he is because as he is, so am I in this world. I, I've been crucified with Christ. I'm not in the process of dying to myself. I have died. And every day I'm going to remind myself, thank you, Lord. I have died to sin and I'm alive to God in Christ. I'm free. I'm clean. I'm holy by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, which is enough. Just struggling to hear you. Okay, Carla, just hold on because we can't hear you yet. Just hold on. Try to say okay. something. Can you hear me now? Yes. yes. Okay, okay, start again. Okay. So Pastor Olivia in Brisbane has actually asked this question, Catherine, what point does a builder, sorry, what point does a believer, sorry, seek professional counselling? So what point when they need to seek that counselling should they do that? That's a wonderful question. Uh, we actually have just begun our own professional counselling centre at our church um, because there are situations that counselling will help. Now, I don't like it when people live in this place, perpetual place of I'm a victim and they never feel like they get free. That is not good. 
But I, even myself, I have prayer ministry every year from people that I trust. Um, just because you go through all sorts of traumas and things. And it's good to have a safe place where you can process those things with people and they can help you recognize truth if you are believing lies in any area. So there are situations where uh, we find that they need more than just some, um, that they do need the help of a professional. Some Sometimes people who've been through really significant traumas, sometimes people who are, are battling with anxiety or so on. But um, I think the type of counseling I get is very important. It must be biblically based. It must be speaking truth. It must be speaking hope and life. And um, and so if, if you have godly, wise, godly counselors that are going to speak truth, then uh, I think counseling is a wise is a wise way to go. What I what I don't like is when people assume that everybody needs counseling because the Holy Spirit is able to just deliver us from all our fears and do uh, what he needs to do. But there are times that I think it's helpful when we 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 seek one another's help. Uh, you know, the Bible says, confess your sins one to another that you may be healed. And in a place where you can actually have someone safe, who's wise, who's walking in um, biblical wisdom, but also has professional skills to help, um, then I think that that's, that's a good thing. Okay. Thank you so much. So the next question we have is from Agnes in the Zoom. She's asking, what is your salvation story? And how have you coped in the world when it's been full of problems and when you're struggling to keep your relationship with God? Mm. Well, I shared a little bit yesterday about how I found the Lord at um, a youth camp where I just said, help, I can't see you, Lord. I don't know you. Help make yourself real to me. And he did. And that really was how I was converted. And praise the Lord, I haven't. I haven't backslid from that ever since, but I had an encounter where I found him. And I think that that is the, that is the key, that we don't just inherit our parents' um, religion. We can't, God has no grandchildren. He has only sons and daughters. So we ourselves need to find Jesus for ourselves. We need to find him and uh, let him make himself real to us. So, yeah, that was that was my conversion story. Um, how have I held on? Well, I think it comes back to recognizing your need. You see, I have had such a deep need for God. Um, my deep need calls out to the deep kindness of His love. I've, I, I'm very aware, having gone through sexual abuse as a child, rejection, abandonment, and many difficult things. Uh, the, the depth of the need in my heart is really big. In fact, I remember crying out to the Lord on the altar one night and just saying, Lord, I feel like the cut in my heart is so deep that it's never going to get filled. And right there as I was worshiping the Lord and asking him for help, I saw a vision of a piece coming out from heaven cut in the same shape 
as the big jagged piece missing out of my heart and I saw him come and fill right down to the depth and you know I think the more you recognize your need the more your capacity to receive is there it's like the more the more help you need uh, the more of God there is to fill it and as he fills that need, my confidence that he will fill every need as I go along uh, is increased because I know what he's done for me. I, I've had such a deep need for love. I felt so alone um, and so rejected. And I needed, I needed God's comfort and he, he gave it to me. And so I found and discovered that he is the one that supplies all of my needs, my emotional needs, my physical needs, my financial needs. He is Jireh, Jehovah Jireh, my provider. And I've discovered him through experience that he, he is more than enough for everything I need. And people will never be able to fill the depth of the need that I have. But I think if you maintain an awareness of your need for God instead of thinking that you're rich and full and having need of nothing or that you're at the stage where you shouldn't be so needy. I have no qualms with being needy. I just am needy for God and every day he comes and he fills that need to overflowing with all his fullness and uh, for me that's the way I survive. When I start thinking that I can do it on my own I'm in trouble. But when I recognize that I'm utterly dependent on him and that he delights to be my great hero at every moment, ah, then we're walking together and I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Wonderful. Okay, so the next question we have uh, is from Townsville. They're saying, we're very excited about being in the prophetic ministry what is the one thing you would like to share with us and teach us about the prophetic movement and being in the prophetic and the scripture that relates to that revelation? So good. I appreciate that question. It's a very good one. Uh, for me, I really, I'd like to just turn, if you want to turn with me, at Revelation, the book of Revelation. Here it is. Let me find where it is. I'm looking for it. Uh, just give me a moment. The, the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. Um, let me find where it might be. I think it is. I'll just... Uh, I'll have to look it up. Um, but where it tells us in Revelation that the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy is a really key verse for me when it comes to the prophetic, that Jesus uh, being the center of everything we do in the prophetic. So if the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy, then prophecy always needs to have Jesus at the center of it. So we know when we study the life of Jesus that the testimony of that, that Jesus, Jesus' life, he always manifested himself as the answer to anyone who came to him with a problem. Whether it was that their son had died or that they'd run out, run out of wine or that they were sick, everyone who came to him, Jesus manifested himself as the answer without fail. And, and so we know that Jesus is the answer. 
So when it comes to the prophetic, I believe Jesus, the answer, needs to be central in every word that we bring. Sometimes prophetic words are made up of a word of knowledge, a word of uh, prophecy, and a word of wisdom. So, and we need to have we need to have complete and mature words. So, for example, if someone prophesies just a word of knowledge that um, something's happening, something there's like I remember prophecies about there's a wave coming and it's going to hit the, the east coast. And if that's the end of the prophecy, that is not a mature word because there's no testimony of Jesus in it. You need, you need to keep looking until you see Jesus the answer. So, for example, if I was prophesying over somebody and I had a word of knowledge that they were very depressed and I come up to them and I say, oh, the Lord says you are very depressed, and then I walk away, I haven't helped them at all. I've simply... Um, made myself look good being able to discern their problem but I haven't released Jesus the answer and so that for me is not a mature prophetic word a mature word has to have Jesus the answer so it would look more like when you see a word of knowledge perhaps you see the problem I may not even prophesy the problem because I don't want to embarrass people but I will be looking for the answer so I might be looking and thinking, okay, I, I recognize, Lord, you're showing me that they're struggling with depression. So, Lord, what do you want to say to them? And I'll look for the word. Sometimes I'll, I'll say I see this and I break it off. Or other times I'll just go straight to the answer and start prophesying what the Holy Spirit wants to do and what Jesus wants to do, how he wants to manifest himself as the answer to them. So I, I encourage people when they bring prophetic words to make sure that they have looked and kept looking. In the book of Daniel, we read the prophet Daniel would say, I looked and I saw. He looked with an expectation to see. He always had an expectation that God would show him something. But then as you read through the book of Daniel, you'll see he keeps saying, I looked again and I saw. And I looked again and I saw. And God kept showing him till the end of the age. You can keep looking and you need to keep looking when it comes to prophecy with an expectation to see and an expectation to see the answer manifested. You don't just want to prophesy problems. You need to be looking for what is Jesus the answer. So we need to be prophetic solutionists. We need to be people who are going to look and see what is Jesus um answer to us what is Jesus wanting us how is he wanting us to respond so that it's interpretation uh, so it's revelation interpretation and application Lord how do you want us to respond to this word what's the word of wisdom in this what uh, what are you wanting to say uh, is is important in terms of seeing maturity come into the prophetic and us to be able to be the blessing to the church that the Lord wants us to be. He doesn't want us to be those that just throw stones. Sometimes prophets are good at seeing problems, but if they're not patient to look and keep looking until they see the answer, they can end up just being a throwing stones at the church, which isn't helpful. It's It's a bit like prophets can see where we need to be, and then they see where we are. And if they're not wise, they can turn around and start attacking the church for not being where God is taking them to be. But a wise prophet, instead instead of throwing stones at them, will say, okay, this is where God wants us to go. 
So let me turn around and encourage you with the wisdom of God of how to bring you into that new season rather than attacking you because you're not there yet. Uh, so, I, and so I guess that brings us also to the point of love. Uh, we could prophesy names, dates, birthdays, uh, credit card numbers, <laughs> addresses. And if we haven't got love, it's meaningless. So mm. I'm not impressed with um, people telling me what I already know about myself. I'm more impressed when I feel the heart of love speaking to my heart and ministering to me. So it's not about us promoting ourselves or puffing ourselves up with what we can see, but with how God wants to love people. And that's the most important thing. Wonderful. Okay, so another question we have is, how do I know that something someone tells me God has spoken to them, that it's God or not? <laughs> very good, very good. Um, we have to be very wise when it comes to prophecy and that we weigh every word, even if it's come from somebody that you really love and trust. The Bible tells us to weigh and to judge those words. And we judge it according to the word of God and according to the character and nature of God. So, for example, if someone comes up to you and prophesies, I believe the Lord says you're meant to leave your husband and marry someone else. Well, it would be very easy to weigh that according to the word of God, which says that he hates divorce. So uh, God's not going to tell somebody to, to do that. He hates adultery. He's not going to tell somebody um, to do something like that. But um, we need to take the words of God and we need to weigh it up with uh, the nature and character of God too. I had a couple once come to me and they were saying, well, the Lord told us to do this and then this and then this and then this and then this. And as they began to tell me all these things, I, I began to discern that they were not actually hearing from God. They were hearing from a familiar spirit because this voice was, was so demanding and controlling and telling them to do things that were contrary to the nature of God. And, and God is not a dictator. He, he, doesn't, he doesn't control us. He, he works with us through relationship. And so we need to recognize the tone of God's voice as well in discerning him. If it's not full of love and kindness, um, then it's, it's not the Father because God is love. So we need to think about what's the tone of the word. I've had people, I remember in the early days, there was a prophet that uh, was prophesying over people and he was making them cry. He was mean. Uh, he, he would call them out and he'd see like a, a star of David around their neck or something and say, and criticize them and say, Row, why are you wearing that? Row, row, and, and, and it just berate people. He, he was unkind in the way he treated people. And then he, he pointed to me and wanted to prophesy over me. And I just said, no, thank you. And he got really angry with me afterwards. You shouldn't have refused me in front of everybody. And I said, well, I'm not going to subject myself to the way that you are talking to people. That's not kind. If it's not kind, if it's not loving, if it's not honoring and respectful, the Bible says that his people are the apple of God's eye. So we need to be really careful that the words that are given are 
um, we're treating people with respect as the apple of God's eye. He says, as much as you've done it to them, you've done it to me. So if you're not, you've got to be really wise about how you speak to people. So if someone tells you, you need to move to Africa tomorrow, and you haven't heard anything about it in your heart, and it doesn't bring any peace or joy to your heart, and you've got responsibilities that you've felt the Lord tell you to do, then you don't have to do what they're telling you. You can take it to the Lord and say, Lord, what do you think? It may be a word for a later date. It may just be wrong. And sometimes prophets hear wrong and doesn't necessarily make them a false prophet. Sometimes they've just made a mistake. They haven't heard clearly or they haven't interpreted things properly. I've seen people prophesying accurate things and then midstream step into their own reasoning and understanding and gone off track. And when you know the Spirit of God, you can feel it. You can, you can sense when it, hey, that doesn't feel right. If it doesn't bring you peace, the Bible says we're led forth with peace. If it doesn't bring peace in your heart, then you don't have to receive it at all. Um, if it brings fear, you don't have to receive it at all because perfect love casts out fear. He doesn't come to bring fear. He comes to bring peace and we can be led with peace so there's it's important that we discern words and that's why i encourage people when they receive a prophetic word to record those words and then to go and take it to a leader and to let the leader help you weigh it and judge it because you might be distressed by a word take it to a leader and the leader can point out in the scripture hey scripturally this isn't correct or or I don't feel that that timing is right, and, and they can help weigh it for you. Often I ask people to even go back to the revelation because they sometimes miss the interpretation of the revelation that they've seen or the vision that they've seen. And so that's why uh, it's very important that the prophetic is done in community so that we can process prophetic words uh, with wisdom and with other prophets. And, uh, and to be wise in the way that we do things. Right, thank you so much. Okay, so we have a question from Jackie in Adelaide. Jackie's asking, how do you maintain relationships with non-believers? Oh, that is a great question. Wow. Well, it's difficult, particularly when they are family members, and you, we want to maintain relationship we, because we want everybody to come to Jesus. We want everyone to know him. We want everyone uh, to experience his goodness. I think it's very important that we learn how not to be judgmental with unbelievers so that we're not trying to put our standards upon them without their hearts having been changed. Otherwise, it's just whitewashing graves. And so learning how, and it's difficult because you don't want to be seen to be endorsing sin, but if they haven't have, if they don't have relationship with Jesus, uh, then, they, then judging their sin is not going to be any, of any help to them. Uh, but rather, I believe we need, to be we need to be letting them know that they are loved. Jesus was the friend of sinners. So it doesn't mean he sinned along with them. But he certainly um, didn't cut himself off from fellowship with them. Uh, but he would love them. And 
so I think you know we do have to be wise. That walk with the wise, and you'll become wise. Uh, and and bad company does corrupt good character. So I don't think it's good to have them as the people that you spend all your time with and allow them to influence you. But we do need to be willing to love them without judgment, without self righteousness, and to to look for ways to help them see that the father is 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 in love with them, that the father is wanting uh, wanting them to to know him because if they feel that they're being judged they'll put a wall up and we are unable to reach a walled city uh, when when people are offended and they put their walls up if they feel you judging them they'll just defend themselves and it becomes unpleasant but if you if you're just willing to love them uh, then you have much more opportunity to for them to see the peace that you have through your gentleness, through your life of supernatural joy and peace, through sharing testament, um, and and them to seeing your integrity and your character and your love for them, they expect Christians are going to judge them. They expect Christians are going to be self-righteous. And when they discover that actually that's not the way it is, that Christians are loving and kind, and and um, and that they, I feel genuinely loved. Then they can open their heart and begin to receive and and begin to ask, tell me the reason for your joy. Tell me the reason for your hope. Uh, so I think that that's really important. I read a, a, a book that helped me a lot in this, and it was it's called How to Stop the Pain. Um, I think I can't remember the name of the the man, but it was an excellent book, How to Stop the Pain, and it helped me learn how not to be judgmental of unbelievers but how to love them and, and it was helpful for me so perhaps that will help you too thank you so much okay i have one uh question here for in regards to single mothers and what encouragement uh, can we give to guide our children to follow the lord because of the pressure of guiding our children you know can be difficult um and being a single parent that that can be very hard at times Praise God, I'm just going to put these headphones back in. Hopefully you can hear me. So um, the question just, uh, if I could just catch the, the tail end of that question again, would that be all right? Single mothers, um, what encouragement can we give to guide our children to follow the Lord? Because of the pressure of guiding our children um, as a single parent can be difficult. Mm. Yes, it's very true. Um, I think, again, we need to... Um, remember that our children need to feel valued and they need to feel loved and they need to feel like they have a choice uh, when they're young I think it's important that we we do um, we do discipline them and we you know our kids we just you know whether you want to come to church or not you're coming when they're little we don't give them the choice as, as a six-year-old or a ten-year-old whether they come to church or not but then when, when they were grown, um, we have two services a week, Fridays and Sundays. And for a little while, my, um, my elder children didn't want to come on the Fridays because they were doing things with their friends. And I had to be, be willing to say, you know, that, that's fine, no problem. And then on Sundays, they'd come joyfully and willingly. Um, so I think learning how to help them be make powerful choices for themselves, learning how to make... Um, 
trusting them at, at according to their different ages learning how to trust them to make good decisions to guide them and to lead them in their decision making and also to learn how to listen i think that's a gift that mothers have that we need to be careful to to use to listen to them in and listen to them in a way that we're not going to jump on them if they say something we don't like but to listen to them and to empathize with them um, this has been something I've had to learn and grow in um, learning how to be empathetic not just trying to solve all the problems straight away but learning how to empathize because my personality just wants to fix everything quick 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 but actually um, learning how to hear them and to hear their their feelings and their emotions and empathize with what they're feeling and listen and just help them feel heard and felt, help them feel like I'm on their side um, I think is really important if they feel like you're on their side uh, then they're willing to, they'll be willing to talk to you uh, so I think that that's that's important um, yeah, and then just helping them to to make powerful choices rather than feeling uh, controlled, helping them to, to choose. And uh, so uh, Danny Silk did help me a lot with this, um, learning how to, uh, I, he has a book called Loving Your Kids on Purpose. And uh, sometimes I feel like I wish I had Danny Silk in my pocket while I was uh, <laughs> raising my kids but it, that was certainly a helpful book for me um, just learning to teach them how to make uh, powerful choices for themselves I think is very good so I, I wouldn't consider myself an expert but I'm very blessed I, I'm so grateful for my three children and um, yeah I pray that God will help you but here's another just one other thing um, my eldest was she's a prodigal at 16 and it was a disaster it wasn't supposed to happen in our family um, my other two have never given me a day of trouble but oh broke my heart when my daughter was walking away from the Lord and it was such a difficult time for for us um, and I would be beating up on myself saying oh maybe I could have done this better maybe if I'd done this this wouldn't have happened and one day the Lord just asked me am I a good father I said, Father, of course you're a good father. You're a perfect father. He said, do my children always do what they're supposed to do? And I said, no. He said, does that make me a bad father? No. He says, well, does that make you a bad mother if your children choose to make choices that aren't right? And he said, well, I guess not. And I, 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 that really helped me recognize that God's a perfect father and still he has children that go off track and so not to condemn yourself if uh, if your children um, go off but you can actually trust God that hey you who began a good work in them you can you will carry it through to completion father I thank you that the word implanted will not return to your void but it will accomplish what it's sent forth to do and if you don't quit you win you just keep loving them not judging them um, the Lord gave me a dream in the middle of all that I was going through with my eldest daughter and in my dream, uh, she was adult by this stage. She was 19, 20. And in the dream, um, the Lord, I took, the, took my daughter to the doctor. And I was thinking that the doctor's going to fix her. You know? And the doctor reached behind his desk and pulled out this huge pile of presents and gave it to my daughter. And I was looking at the doctor going, what are you doing? 
She doesn't need presents. She needs help. She needs fixing. And the doctor looked back at me quite sternly and said, you don't know how special she is. And I realized when I woke up that the Holy Spirit was giving me um, permission to stop trying to fix her and just lavish love on her and that to trust him now that, you know, I have implanted the word through you, you've raised them up in the way that they should go. Now you need to just trust me that I who've begun the good work will carry it through to completion. And your job right now is just to lavish love on them. And as I did that and I stopped, and, and the other thing he encouraged me to do was to start treating her as though she was already uh, a sister in the Lord, walking in holiness and purity. And that was really hard. I'm like, I don't want to be doing that because she's not that person yet. But I began to talk to her like I would talk to a, um, a, a sister that I loved and respected in the Lord. And when I did that, she stopped feeling judged and she began to want to become the person I was demonstrating that I believed her to be. And, uh, and she felt then permission to start to come back to the Lord. So I began to talk to her with respect as though she was already that which she was not, not behaving like. And, and when I made that shift, she let her walls down because she no longer felt judged. And, uh, and that's when the, the change started to happen. So I, I don't know if that's helpful, but I hope it has encouraged some people. Yes. Thank you so much. So we're going to have the last question now. And please, um, Pastor Catherine, feel free to continue after this question, wherever the Spirit leads you, if you feel to pray, whatever you feel to do. So I'll give you this last question and we'll leave it with you. But we just thank you so much for your time in taking time out to do this for the ladies. Because we're uh, wanting to ask you questions yourself and see insight into your life and your walk with God. So this last question comes from Renee on Zoom. Um, I feel led by God to pray for healing for strangers, but I find it hard to approach strangers and ask them if I can pray for them. It's, you know, the Father said, um, I only do, or Jesus said, I only do what I see the Father doing. I only say what I see, hear the Father saying. And so it's asking him, Lord, who do you want to minister to? And when you get that direction, that's a whole lot easier. So Jesus didn't heal everybody that he saw. He healed everyone who came to him for healing. But he also, um, he only did what he saw the Father doing. So for example, the man at the pool of Bethesda, he didn't heal everyone at the pool. Uh, neither did they ask him for healing. But um, even the man at the pool of Bethesda didn't ask him for healing, but he felt to approach him. And so I love and commend you for wanting to um, demonstrate the love of God through the, the ministry of miracles and healings because it's powerful. They're not pulled with the words of men's wisdom, demonstrations of the Spirit's power. So uh, that's a very powerful thing to do. But to be led by his Spirit in everything, uh, who do you want me to minister to? Uh, how do you want me? What would you like me to do? And then I would normally begin with a testimony um, to, to build faith, to say, you know, I've seen God do some amazing miracles and just share, maybe share a miracle or a healing testimony. And if you see and perceive faith rise in their heart, um, ideally it'd be great for them to say, well, I'd love it if you could pray for me. I need prayer for this. Um, but if not, you can offer prayer. And if they say yes, you can see that they've obviously 
um, got some faith that I've just listened to what you've said, so I'm going to let you pray. And just in letting you pray, um, often that is enough um, to see God do something powerful. Uh, we've seen a lot of people come to Jesus uh, through receiving a miracle. Sometimes, though, I don't go that far. I, I'll just, uh, it's, a, it's a more quick thing if I see someone with um, pain and I feel moved with compassion, then that's often enough. You know, move with compassion is all I need. I can feel God in that moment and um, and just move with him. And I'll say, can I pray for you? Uh, and believe that the Holy Spirit will touch them and minister to them. And uh, then we get to tell them about the Lord that healed them. So I encourage you, don't quit. Uh, persevere because it is a powerful way to love God. And, you know, regardless of what the outcome is, if they have felt love from you, and most people are so shocked that anyone would take the time to pray for them, that's an, often enough of a witness that, wow, someone wanted to pray for me. Um, and when they did, I felt so loved that whether they get healed or not, they've been impacted by the love of God. So you cannot lose. Uh, so I encourage you to, to continue to step out and to do that. Thank you so much, Catherine. If you'd like to take it from here, there's anything that you would like to share with the sure. ladies or anything that's on your heart or pray, whatever you feel the Spirit's leading you to do, we'd love to give you the floor now to be able to minister and have your own time. Oh, praise the Lord. Well, I hope and pray that that has been an encouragement to you. Thank you, ladies, for those wonderful questions. They've been really helpful to be able to get to the heart of uh, where we are. You know, I... Women are uh, so, so beautifully, wonderfully created in the hand of God. And he loves, he loves his girls. He loves you with such a love. And he wants you to know that he loves you the way he created you. You know, that you don't have to be like a man to be a minister in the Lord. You don't have to be uh, like a man. He likes you like he created you. He likes your femininity. He likes you just the way he's made you. And you don't have to be like anybody else. You don't have to be like me. You don't have to um, be like Mama Ule. You, you can just be who God created you to be because he says that you are fearfully and wonderfully made. And he likes you. He likes your personality. And he wants to use you just the way he's created you to be. And understanding that, I think as we come back to that central place of recognizing that my number one ministry is to love God with all of my heart, to bless him, to worship him. And I can do that wherever I am, uh, whether you are in prison, whether you're in lockdown, whether you are out and about, you have the privilege, uh, nobody can stop me from doing my calling, which is to minister to the Lord, to love him and enjoy him forever. And in doing that, uh, ministry becomes an overflow of your ministry to the Lord. Uh, that when we understand that um, life is not about our promotion, but about his, and as we lift him up and promote him and, and declare his goodness and we talk about his majesty and his goodness, uh, we are in the very center of the will of God for our lives. But I also want to encourage you that the Lord wants to do exceedingly abundantly above all you can ask, hope or imagine. 
and that the heart of God is for us to dream his dreams. And his dreams are bigger than what is possible in the natural. He wants to do the exceedingly, abundantly, above all you can ask, hope, or imagine. And, you know, for many of you, the Lord is putting dreams in your hearts, ideas in your hearts of what you feel like he'd like you to do. And these dreams are from him. He gives you the desires of your heart when they are dreams to lift up his name, to do things that will glorify him. They are things that have come from him. And the Lord wants you to know, blessed are you who has believed that there will be a fulfillment of these things promised to you. But these things that he drops in your heart, they are invitations requiring a response. They're an invitation requiring a faith response. So if you're dreaming of um, whatever it might be, or you, perhaps you want to see, uh, you want to be used by God uh, to be an encouragement or a blessing to people. Perhaps you've been called to preach, or uh, perhaps um, you, you've been, you're believing that God's going to use you to be an Im influencer in your community for the goodness of God, or whatever it is that He's put in your heart and that you're dreaming of. The Holy Spirit is looking for you to agree with him and say, Be it unto me, Lord, according to your word. To agree with God, but also not just to put it on the shelf and think, Oh, well, maybe that will happen, maybe it won't happen. But actually to wage war with the prophetic word spoken over you. The Bible tells us in Timothy to wage war with the prophetic words spoken over us. That is to pick up the word of the Lord and to wage war with it, to start declaring, Lord, you said, you said that that's what you're going to do. You said it, so I thank you that you're the one that's going to cause it to come to pass. And to start to, to, um, to wage war with those promises and not let them go, to cooperate with God in seeing him do that. Um, but waging war with those promises is really important because many are called but few are chosen. Some people, they, they're not willing to pay the price. Some people are not willing to wage war with that, um, those words. And so those invitations go unanswered. Now, many prophecies are not inevitabilities, but they are invitations requiring our response. And we've got to learn to respond in faith, to begin to declare what he is saying. You know, God will put things in my heart um, about what he wanted to do. And I would call those things that be not as though they are. I would start making declarations. Thank you, Lord. I'm on television all over the world preaching the gospel. People are getting saved while I'm asleep because they're hearing the gospel being preached on the airways. Thank you, Lord, that I have thousands of partners who are helping me uh, and that you are financing their television ministry. It was a huge thing. Uh, that seemed impossible for a little housewife. But the Lord put it in my heart, and so I just started declaring those things, uh, that, they, that this is what it was, declaring it as though it was already happening. And then surely God is the one that brings it to pass. And so I believe it's important that we walk as women of faith that will make declarations, that will wage war with the promises of God over our life and be diligent to believe him. 
You see, God is dropping invitations that seem impossible into women's hearts, but he wants to use you to raise the dead, to heal the sick, to cleanse the lepers, to set the captives free. He wants you to be salt and light in the earth. He wants you to shine like stars in the universe as you hold out the word of life. In him there's neither slave nor free, Jew nor Greek, male nor female, but we are all one in him and we have been crucified with him. It's no longer we who live, but Christ who lives in us and Christ in you is not dreaming of surviving he's not dreaming of having a little life he is dreaming of being who he is through you and he is the one that said the same works that I did and greater works will you do if you believe in him nothing is impossible for those who believe and so I want to encourage you God wants to use you and it doesn't mean that everybody is called to do what I'm called to do. Only about 2% of the, the Christian population are called to do what I'm doing. But God has called every one of us to be ministers of the gospel, whether it is as moms looking after our kids at home, whether it's as housewives, as accountants or doctors or shop attendants. God has a plan for you that where you are, that you are called to be at the light of the world, that your word of kindness to a customer could change their life forever. Your, um, your word to your boss, just uh, the right word spoken at the right time, like the servant girl to Naaman can change the course of history. And God wants you to be believing that he has great plans for you and that he wants to do exceedingly abundantly above all you can ask, hope or imagine. We believe you have been blessed by this inspiring message from the heart of our Lord. Do not miss our next conference. For more information, visit www.streams.org.au or call 1300 361 971. Keep radiating the love of Jesus to the world.